we wind down 2020, it's time to have a look back at some of our past interviews in the third of our playback series. First up, we're talking to Vanessa Panousis about her return of the Flames after some time in Adelaide and how a tough season helped the team to bond and face down the tough times. You did do one season with the Flames as a development player. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that season. I loved it, actually. Um, You know, playing against bigger bodies. I think that's what really helped me get ready for college because in college you're you're all 18 to 22 years old. So I was... I was practicing against much older women, much older, um, I mean, not much older, much much bigger bodies as well, you know, mature bodies, mature minds, high IQ players. So I think playing with those people every day really helped me with my basketball IQ and learning from their actions. So especially if, even if I wasn't really on the floor, if I was on the sideline watching, even just watching their body language, watching the way they move, the way they read the game. Yeah, I think that's what, was one of the benefits of being a development player for the Flames. When you um, came back after college, mm-hmm. um, how did your family feel about you going to Adelaide rather than <laughs> being in Sydney? Rather than Sydney. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit, um, a bit awkward that I actually didn't play for Sydney coming out of college. Uh, but again, it was a great situation that was given to me. Um, Chris Lucas was the head coach and he was actually – the assistant coach for the the under 17s Australia team. So I had a good relationship with him and the situation at Adelaide was, I felt like was really good for me. You know, he's a great coach. He knows my game. I know the way he coaches and the team that he had put together. I felt, I felt really confident in that. So I felt like for a first year out, um, it wasn't going to be a bad situation. I know that um, the games when you did come like when Adelaide was playing Sydney at home, the, yeah, that was uh, big. The, cra- the crowd big volume went there. up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was. And my dad had made um, shirts, actually, with some producer shirts. Which, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not going to say I was embarrassed, but I was, I was a bit shocked when I came to the um, arena and I saw that. But it's all good. Loved it. Loved the fan. <laughs> <laughs> the year after you came, you, ca- you came back home to Sydney. And yeah. um, that's a season I want to talk a little bit about to get your feedback on because it was it was a tough season for the team. Yeah, but, it was. Yeah. Um, you know, you were always, you know, always had, had a really positive outlook. How did you find that whole season for you? Obviously, when you play basketball, you know, you want to win. You play to win. We didn't have a very good season. We were pretty unlucky with injuries, not going to lie. Um, I think Talia was in, injured. Sarah got injured a fair bit. Britt was injured. Um, obviously, Ali with her horrific knee injury. So we had a f- fair few players out. And obviously, when you come into practice every day, you know that you know we're down on players. And if you come into practice with a poor attitude, grumpy for whatever reason, it's not going to help the situation. I feel like if you come in with a positive outlook, this is the way I've lived my life, like in everything I do, not just basketball. If you come into a situation with a positive outlook, hopefully it rubs off on your teammates, on your coaches. And it just, it just picks up that energy a little bit. I feel like that's really important. If someone sees you in a good mood, it could fix their mood, you know, make practice better. We all become better players. I think having a positive attitude really helps you get through seasons, whether you're winning or losing. Um, you know, things are going to go well, things are going to go bad, but it's the way that you react to that. Yeah, it was, it, it was a tough year, but I feel like even us girls as like teammates, we all got so much closer. Um, you know, I think our friendships still stand and, in the end, I think even though we didn't have the wins, you know, I think as teammates, as people, 
um, we got a lot closer and we appreciated each other's each other's talents because we were trying so hard. Like you know, we were down players, um, so we had to find something deeper, and I think we did. The second of our interviews with Annie Lafleur. Annie lets us in on the whole Sydney 2000 Olympics experience and how her career has developed with FIBA in the Oceania region. You know, just after your your first season in the WNBA, we had the Olympics in Sydney and you were part of that Opals team that brought home silver. Tell us a little bit about that. That must have been pretty big. Yeah, look, I set out the WNBA season in 2000 so I could focus on the Olympic team. So, you know, I think when I got that call that you're in the team, like prior to that, I'm like, oh, no, I'm definitely not in it. You know, you just have so many doubts. And I think as women, that's something that we we do. We, we really doubt our uh, our achievements and what we, yeah, what we can do. So anyway, when I got that call, I mean, it was just amazing because I grew up in Sydney. So, you know, having the games there and having, you know, family and friends who could actually uh, experience it with me. If it had gone to another country, you know, my family didn't have a lot of money, so they wouldn't have been able to travel with me. So it was nice that they could actually experience it. And I mean, the preparation was brutal, like, you know, I mean, training camps and, you know, all the testing and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, was pretty full on. And But to actually have it in the city that I grew up in and, um, yeah, that was pretty amazing. I always talk about, and, and we did win a silver, and uh, being up on the dais and, you know, the medal's been put around my neck and I look over into the into the stands and my son, who was four at the time, was jumping up and down on the seat and mum was crying as Islander women do. And, you know, it was, and I look around and there were so many people that shared my journey um, that were there with me. You know, it was just nice to be able to have them there um, experiencing it with me. I get really emotional when I talk about it. You know, it was just such an amazing experience. That would have been such a special moment because it's one of those things that doesn't happen very often. So, you know, we've talked about the basketball, but I want to talk about now where you've moved into in your role with FIBA and in the Oceania region. And also, I'm sure that the listeners would love to understand how you're contributing to the growth of the game in the in the region. Mm, yeah, sure. So I started working with FIBA Oceania in um, 2013. Um, again, I was in the right place at the right time. When I moved back to Australia in 2008, I tried to get back into sport uh, and working in some capacity, but nothing was really around at that time. So I ended up just working for a financial advisor and being his personal assistant. So here I am at Alexandria on a Wednesday night, you know, waiting to play my social game of basketball. And the competitions manager for FIBA Oceania at the time uh, was Judy Smith. And uh, she was in town. She was there to watch her daughter play. So we ended up just having a chat. You know, she told me about the the things that the, the work that she did in the Pacific. And, and I just you know, I just blurted out, you know, do you have any jobs? And she was like, yeah, we have three. You know, she told me about this job here. And again, you know, when I saw the job description, I was like, oh my God, no, I I won't be able to do it. But um, after talking with some friends and showing them what it was, they were like, you know, this is your job. So you should definitely do it. So, you know, looking back now as development manager for FIBA Oceania, you know, I work at all levels, you know, from, you know, with players, with coaches, with referees in sport development. Uh, But we also do a lot of sport for development. And the difference is, is that, you know, with funding uh, from the Australian government, 
were able to go into the Pacific and run basketball activities and, and you know, with, with using this as a social change. So, for example, in Fiji, non-communicable diseases, um, it's an epidemic in the Pacific. So through our Mums a Hero program, we've targeted the mums to, you know, teach them about healthy lifestyles, being active, which then they can share with their with their families. So we go and we run a basketball clinic. We have experts from like health organisations coming to talk to them about healthy eating and being active. But, we, you know, we're using that basketball to help, you know, that social change. So we've got a number of programs in the Pacific that we, um, you know, that are sport for development. So, yeah, I mean, it's an exciting job. Uh, I'm an islander myself. You know, I was born in Papua New Guinea. So to be able to use basketball, you know, which has been such a big part of my life and has been good to me to then try and help Oceania federations, you know, to develop their basketball, but to also not just, you know, make good basketball players, but make good people as well. Now we're catching up with Sinead Greaves. In her first season with the Flames, the team went all the way and brought home the silverware. So listen to what she has to say about that year, the team, her chemistry with Sarah Graham. You roll up to Sydney, you end up in interesting accommodation, and first season out, bang, grand final. What was going through your head when you kind of sort of stopped for a second and realised we were in the grand final? Yeah, that was wild. That was so much fun. Such a whirlwind season. Again, I think really special because that was such a fun year with a bunch of like close friends. So quite good friends with Sarah Graham and, and bonded quite well with Lauren Nicholson at the time as well. So it was a lot of fun. It was a fun season. I don't know. I guess we didn't have huge expectations of ourselves to win, but I guess we always believed that we could do it. You know, one win at a time, we managed to make our way there. And I think we definitely we definitely had the talent to do it. I think we had the belief in ourselves. It was awesome. It was, it was so much fun. It was pretty surreal at the time. And it was cool to be able to win that back in Melbourne, where I had a lot of family and friends who were able to come and watch that as well. So that, that was was fun too. That was actually quite an quite an amazing game to watch at Dandenong. You know, taking over the the top floor of the hotel, including disturbing a few non Flames guests that were that were staying there that night. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to the um, Quest in Dandenong, I think it was. They were yeah. fantastic. They were really, really great with us partying into the early hours, which is great. You mentioned, Sarah, now I want to play you a short piece, then I want to talk to you about it. It was just a special group and everyone knew what role to play and just one of those nice mixes of people and, and coaching staff that only come around every so often. So, yeah, really special memory and something I'm bloody glad to have been a part of and and you had um your partner in laughs there as well <laughs> yes yes she, she was there i'm assuming you're talking about shanae uh, absolutely yeah she and she's one of those players that i'm talking about just happy to play that role for you know genuinely happy to play a role that's needed of them not trying to get what they want to get out of it for everybody who was like observing the team during that season the one thing that really came across was the chemistry between you two, you guys were like always joking, always having a good time. And I think that also would have helped the the atmosphere with the team as well. Oh, they wouldn't have won without us, Paul. Really. <laughs> Just say it. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I know it's silly, but I think we, and that was, I guess, for us too that season and, and then every other season after that, we I think we took a lot of pride in, 
just trying to keep it lighthearted. Like we had a really funny group anyway, but I think that was something the two of us knew we could always do. And listening to Sarah say that about that first year, what do you think about the comments that she made there? <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm really going to miss her this year. She's a lot of fun. I think I'm not a particularly funny person, but when we're together, we just bounce off each other. Like you can't stop us. There's no there's no stopping. We'll get on a tangent, and you just can't stop us giggling. So it's funny. We call ourselves instant culture. We like to think that we add a bit of culture and fun to the team. Which I mean, it's funny to joke about, but at the same time, I think it's also an important part of a team. Like you know, having a laugh and being able to lighten the when things aren't going your way or, you know, when the team might be in a rough patch, it's it's nice to have those people in the team, I suppose. So it is funny in a way, but at the same time, I do value those people in the teams that I've been in. So I think, um, you know, sharpshooter and everything, brilliant career, what a veteran, but also such a big part of Sarah Graham's career would have been, yeah, the culture that she brings to the team because she's just such a brilliant person, so approachable, yeah, always able to lighten the mood. And like I said, I'm really going to miss her this year. When you're playing, particularly when you're playing under the basket, it's really tough down there. What goes through your head when you're being really challenged by other players down there and how do you approach playing under there? I do enjoy a bit of a challenge, I suppose. Maybe <laughs> maybe at the offensive end it's a little bit daunting, you know, if you're right stuck underneath the basket and, you, and you're trying to make a shot, you know, it gets pretty hectic in there. But I suppose at the other end of the court, the, like playing defense, I do enjoy the challenge of matching up on some of the bigger bodies on the opposite team and just kind of, I guess, niggling them a bit and, yeah, just getting out there and trying to do those little kind of hustle things that, that get the team going a bit. I suppose when I'm on the court, I don't think about so much the pressure of it, but I'm <laughs> really just focusing on, you know, trying to bring a bit of energy to the team and probably yeah. working on my fitness a bit too. Because <laughs> I know when we're shooting games, particularly shooting the camera that's under the basket, it's tough down there. And I think it's actually a lot tougher than people realise, particularly when you're sort of stepping up to people like Mariana Tolo or Liz Cambage. I've seen some of that body banging going on down there and it's <laughs> pretty amazing. I, I, sometimes yeah. I wonder how you guys keep at it for an entire game. Yeah, it is. It's a different kind of fitness. It's funny, you know, if, if you're doing drills at training and you do some post work and you get the guards to join in, I think, you know, if they haven't played much in the post before, it's a bit of a shock to them that it is just a different kind of fitness. It's not just running wind sprints and, you know, running the lanes as fast as you can. It is a lot of that kind of, you get bashed up a fair bit and you, you've got to stay strong and give it back to your opponent. So it is, I always say that it's a different kind of fitness because, yeah, it's not so much about how fast you can run, but it's maybe maintaining that strength in there and continuously being beaten up. But again, like I said, I enjoy that kind of challenge and I, yeah, I find it to be a bit of fun. So it's what I enjoy doing more so than running wind sprints. So, you know, it suits me. Finally, it's Alice Koenig, who's on a tear in her season in Poland. We listen to her react to how she's been a role model for some of the younger players, get into a discussion about how tough the season was for her, and the upcoming Olympics for the 3x3 competition. Having organisations like Life Change Around and who are going out there to those communities is a really great initiative. Going forward, do you see your involvement with Life Changer continuing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I feel very, very blessed that I'm able to be a part of the foundation. I just think Scott and the group are just doing incredible things. And I know with things moving online, even when I'm in Europe, you know, I'm still here for that mentor role. If a kid needs to speak to someone, hey, pick up the phone, call me, or I'll call you. Like, People just need to know that they're not alone and, you know, they're doing great and that they 
like they've got someone to talk to. Look, I really do hope that I get to work closely with Life Changer for many years ahead and, and that we continually help young youth and help kind of anyone that needs it. I mean, you look at um, Tucky, who just passed away from the Richmond Football Club. You know, mental health doesn't discriminate to any age. I guess we just need to be there for one another and especially in this really strange time. I think the more that we stick together in these times and reach out to other people and be there for one another, then, you know, things will eventually move forward and and will hopefully look a lot brighter. Absolutely. Talking about mentorship, I'm going to play you a very short clip from Mm -hmm. one of our previous podcasts with Alana Goodchild. Oh, uh, I love Lan. She's awesome. And (laughs) she said this. said probably Alice Kronek, former Opal um, in the Opal squad. She's just showed me, like I said before, every game, showing me what it means to be professional professional athlete mindset, being there before anyone else could possibly be there, putting shots up, always getting the extra work done. So me coming down to the AIS, what knowing that she's doing the extra, I want to do the extra. You... Oh, Lana, that brings a tear to my eye. Oh, it's so beautiful. So you've, Thanks, been, you've been a mentor for her as well, just from, you know, doing what you do. Did you realise that you've had that impact on some of the younger players in the team? Uh, probably not to that degree, and I really appreciate them. I'm very humbled by that. Look, I think, you know, maybe growing up, you not that you're selfish. I guess you have to be selfish to a certain degree. But I guess growing up, you realise it's not really about you. And the more that you can help others, it's more fulfilling. I think when you're just constantly thinking about yourself, you know, when you're young, it gets exhausting and boring and who really wants that? So, yeah, look, I just try and be kind of the best possible version of myself and I just thought those girls were awesome. Rolana, Kitty, they just rocked up to training. They worked so hard. They were always willing to listen. They always wanted to know, how do you do this or how do you do that or what was it like playing in Europe? And I just, they're just such good girls and I absolutely loved playing with them. And yeah, I just think for me that if you can, I remember growing up when I played with Penny or with any of the great, you know, Michelle teams, you always try and pick their brain about things and, you know, to be able to do that for someone else, that's really special. And I'm really, I feel very humbled by that. So thank you, Alana, <laughs> if you're listening. Oh, I'm sure she'll, she'll tune in for this one. You mentioned earlier about your elbow. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty significant injury. And I do want to touch on that game because you did a 30-point game for that one, I believe. Did um, I? God, yeah. I wouldn't have known. <laughs> <laughs> I was too busy thinking. I said, I remember my parents put the game by chance. And I was like, oh, my elbow. And Dad's like, you should have shot the three. Why did you go in for a layup? Like, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I know. I should have shot the three. You should have shot the three. There's a photo that was put up for part of the Whisper Awards of you. I think there were like three Townsville players hanging off you. I don't know. Did you, did you get to see oh, that? Yeah, I do know that photo very well. <laughs> I mean, when you were looking at that photo kind of after the game, what went through your head? Oh, gosh. I, I think that was all a little bit of a, not a blur, but the whole thing after the game, I'd hurt my elbow. And um, I do remember that play because I remember trying to get the ball and trying to get up. And I thought, oh, my God, how was that not a foul? And then, anyway, hurt my elbow. And then I remember saying to Stu, like, no, 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 my elbow's just bone bruising. It's totally fine. You know, it'll be okay, Stu. Stu's like, oh, God, no, you need to get a scan. Um, You're going to the surgeon. I was like, oh, gosh. So I think probably that whole week was a bit of a blur <laughs> until, yeah, I did see that photo. I remember thinking, well, that does, that just depicts it, doesn't it? You know, like, don't get injured on that play, but get injured on just the silliest kind of fall to the floor. <laughs> 
one. But oh. I mean, that was a great shot by Jeff. Was, Jeff is on the money. Jeff is always on the money. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is. The thing I, I found about that photo was it was a great indication of how tough I think last season was overall. Yeah. I think that was one of the toughest WNBL seasons I've seen ever. It was tough. And, um, you know, every week was just a battle. There was no game. There was no letting up. It was really good quality basketball. I can the final series that was probably one of the best final series I've seen in a long time yeah it was it was tough every week was tough but I guess these seasons do make you more resilient and they make you want to push harder and be better and yeah I mean it's it's like it's another chapter in the book and you I guess you have to be grateful for every moment and every opportunity but it definitely was tough if you speak to Frog she probably will say yep (laughs) it was (laughs) She, she definitely did now the last thing I want to touch on is the Olympics yeah they've been postponed for 12 months you're obviously looking to, to get there mm-hmm. in the three-on-three. Three. What's the preparation going to be like? How do you do you see that things are going to progress between now and then? So we've been training. I mean, the girls have been training probably for a couple of weeks longer than I because I was still in Sydney. But we've been training three times a week at MSAC. So we've been really grateful to be able to still have access to that. So, you know, us girls have been going, you know, three times a week pretty hard and it's it's been awesome. It's been so good. I'm obviously going back to Europe, so I won't be with the group kind of until May, until the qualifiers. But, you know, I guess we'll all go to our respective clubs. I think that we've been able to lay the foundation down in these past couple of months and hopefully the next couple of months afterwards. We've kind of put in like a core, I guess we've got a really good belief system, good values where we play hard and I absolutely believe like this team can definitely go to the Olympics you know it'll be tough the qualifiers that they're in Austria in May next year they'll be super tough but you know I have full faith in the group and um yeah I'm really excited hopefully I can be part of that team moving forward and then fingers crossed with everything in the world um that the Olympics goes ahead and we can go to the Olympics we've got some interesting ones coming up soon so keep an eye out for more new content coming your way stay tuned don't forget to tune in to Shooting the Breeze Subscribe on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio.